As a station, we believe in playing content with artistic and cultural merit, and sometimes that category includes material which can be construed as offensive. For those who have children nearby or are sensitive to provocative material, the following broadcast may have strong language, themes, or be otherwise objectionable. Please consider tuning out and revisiting CITR after this program. Real World with Dora and Dama. And um, because of the Sandwich Club Night that we are hosting on Wednesday, we're going to be talking about the Jewish Student Association's programmed films, Annie Hall and Driving Miss Daisy. Um, today we are joined by special guest Lily Robbins. Hello. She is a beautiful film student from U of T. Say more about yourself. Uh, I go to the University of Toronto and I study cinema. Oh, my she doesn't know how to use a microphone. It's okay. No, I don't. Um, I go to the University of Toronto and I study film, and it's cool. Yeah, that's it. Dope. So yeah, um, we're gonna talk about like movies uh, that have Jewish people in them. Yeah. So like, we're not only gonna just like talk about um, the films that we're actually showing, but we're also gonna talk about just like Jewish representations and like Jewish films and everything. So. Let's get into it. We're going to talk about um, Annie Hall first, because that's just, like, a really, really amazing, like, classic movie. Um, directed by Woody Allen, in case you didn't know. Um, he's, like, a really amazing director, but he's also, like, pretty problematic. Um, I agree. Just because, like, his personal life is, like, so messed up. Um, and it's, like, I don't know. I love him. And, like, I don't think it's fair to, like, really judge someone by, like, their actions if, like, it really doesn't, like, affect their work too much. Like, it's, like, if he's still making really beautiful films and, like, he can be a shitty person, but, like, that, like, really has nothing to do with it. But, like, what I find, like, what makes me uncomfortable now is that, like, he keeps making films about, like, young women, like, being kind of, like, seduced by older guys and it just, like, it's kind of, like, Woody, please, like... Like, um, Moonlight. Yeah, Magic Magic in in the moonlight. Moonlight. Um... Yeah, but at the same time, like, Woody Allen wasn't as ostracized from his work, like, or society as Bill Crosby, who was, like, totally, like, now he is no longer everyone's uncle. Like, he's done forever. And Woody Allen is still making movies and still directing, but, like, what he does in his personal life, like, is still a representation of, like, all the victims who go through that. So I'm, like, I'm still going to watch his movies. But, like, a romanticized version of it. Like, it's, like, like... Emma Stone was, like, stoked to be with Colin Firth. Yeah, because Colin Firth is, like... Okay, that was a bad example. God. But, like, <laughs> but like, it's still, like, kind of, like... It's, like, a weird, like... He still carries all the power that he did before, is what I'm saying. Even though he did really shitty things. I think that almost gives, like, more power to his movies. Because, like, every all the movies that he does are somewhat based on something, like, that happened in his life or something, like, in art that he appreciates... Or, like, whatever. Everything that I've seen uh, of his movies, you can tell that there's a lot of personal stuff in there. Totally. And that's what gives it so much substance. Like, he just presents these things, and it's like, okay, so this happens. He doesn't give you a happy ending, like, ever. It's just like, okay, this is what happened. You figure out whether you like it or not. Like, I'm not going to wrap it up for you and make it all pretty. And, yeah, I feel like the fact that he is such, like... I'm not going to say a bad person. Like, he's done bad things in real life kind of shows that this is kind of his reflection on these things. And just like Dora said, it is this romanticized thing with, like, 
adultery is that is that the word yeah okay so like romanticized adultery romanticized like relationships with underage girls and like that's not great but it's something that happens and i think it's important that he like he puts it out there and he puts it out there in a very real way that's fair I like. I kind of forgot about Blue Jasmine for a second. Where Jasmine like, is fantastic. It, yeah, it was such a beautiful movie, and it like had nothing to do with that at all. Blue like, Jasmine was a really interesting movie. It also made me furious. Why <laughs> the progression of the story was just like, oh my god. She sat on a bench for the whole film. Okay, that's fair. But it's <laughs> like. I don't know if anyone else saw this. I'm not sure because I, I haven't Googled this, but I'm pretty sure it's, like, very, very much based on Streetcar Named Desire. And, like, oh, yeah. I don't know if that's something yeah. that anyone else No, noticed. I've heard about that. I've I just saw that it. now that you said that. I've always seen it, like, while I was watching <laughs> the movie. I always knew. While, since I was I've, a little girl, I have such I a greater appreciation this. for that film now. No, exactly. I just, I watched the movie while I was studying Streetcar Named Desire, and I was like, wait... I see this. This is a thing that is happening. And just the whole movie seems to be, like, an homage to, to Streetcar Named Desire, which is, like, kind of how I read into the movie. And that's why I say not only is he basing stuff on his own life, but on on things in art that he appreciates. Because there's always, like, little references to films that he likes, to plays that he likes, to, like books that he likes and i think uh, specifically blue jasmine is a fantastic representation and like a different take on streetcar named desire and that's yeah. totally fair but i would like to note that like while i really really love blue jasmine it is like one of the few movies he's made in, like the past like 15 years or whatever that like isn't about like a young woman like kind of being seduced by an older guy like it's like like that like that's like that's true I'm trying to think of, like, the demographic schematics of um, Annie Hall. And they're not that far in age. Yeah, she's not supposed to be super young, as far as Emma I Stone? remember. No, Annie Hall. Annie Hall. Yeah, no, but that's, like, that's like about, like, that was, like, autobiographical in that, like, he was falling in love with Diane Keaton and, like, okay. hung out with her. And, like, they were both cool young artists who were, like, chilling. Like, like, like Annie Hall's just, like, a beautiful love story. And, like, about, like also about, like, having your heart broken. I just, I think I agree. Woody Allen is an incredible director, and I love his work. It's just, if you do shitty things in the public eye of society, you owe some kind of retribution to the victims. That's, like, what my point is. And Bill Crosby paid for that for, by his career and his representation. And, like, Woody Allen can continue to be a good director, but he has to pay for the shitty things he's done to, like, these people. Yeah, that's fair. A little. Like, something. Like, a token. Being like, I won't represent females under the age of 25 in my films anymore because. But like, he still does it. I know, but I'm saying this is what in a perfect world, in Lily's <laughs> world, Woody Allen. There's like some kind of retribution. That's fair. Yeah. Also, have you ever asked yourself what you do if you have to sneeze on a radio show? Uh, just sneeze. Okay. It's coming up. Do you have to sneeze? Do you have to sneeze? <laughs> Not anymore. <laughs> That, like just talking about it. That's how you. That's how you deal with it. Yeah. It's like, what do we do? Um. I don't know. I like Woody Allen. Like just because like he makes like really beautiful music movies now. But like his old movies, like the first few movies he made were so ridiculous. Like Sleeper and Bananas are obscene. Sleeper, Sleeper is crazy. Weird. Have you ever seen it? No. I've seen snippets. I haven't seen the whole thing. Oh my god. It's okay. Like no spoilers. But, like, it's about this dude who, like, falls asleep for a thousand years and, like, wakes up in the future. And the future is, like, what, 2005 or something? And it's 
like and like he's like thrown in with Diane Keaton and like all these other people and like it's just totally ridiculous. No, but it, like that's another another way that he just like kind of uh, represents the stuff in art that he likes. It's basically uh, paying homage to 2001 Space Odyssey. Like so much of it is interrelated from the snippets that I saw. Obviously, I haven't seen the whole movie. I can't I can't say that. But yeah, just that's something I noticed. That's the fair. Sci-fi. Spoof of the sci-fi, almost. He like. Have you ever seen like his like early, early work? I've like seen no, annual, <laughs> It's like like and everything else. He after. made like absolutely ridiculous films. Like like absolutely pure. What ridiculous. was the movie called? Like Chameleon. Was that Woody Allen or was that somebody oh, else? Yeah, that's a that's the mockumentary that he made. That is Woody what? Allen, right? Yeah, oh my god. Allen. This film we watched it in like history class in like grade ten, so that we could like understand what like biases or something in like World War Two, and it's just an insane film. You actually believe that like this dance move or something like is that what it's about? Uh, like I, the dance I move the called Chameleon, either. it like revolutionizes the war no, or something. He basically has this uh, like weird condition where he adapts to everything that he sees. So like he'll be oh, hanging yeah. out with Jewish people and then he'll like suddenly start looking super Jewish, which like is is not difficult for Woody Allen. But if you go for like he hangs out with a black person and suddenly like his skin starts getting darker and it's really weird and then it's really cool like yeah. social but you start believing it that's the weird thing like the chameleon is so well like represented that as you watch the film you're like oh this really happened in 1946 yeah, this is a real film in, because he mixes in a lot of footage that it like is real footage and yeah. he does it all in like black and white film except for the commentary that comes after so he has all the shots of the actual main character in black and white in like news film reels and stuff but then he has everyone that comments on what happened being in like full color so it seems like this is very like real stuff that was shot in the 40s and then someone is making a documentary about it right now uh, not right now whenever it, like was whenever it was made yeah it's that's very cool. forrest gump it's really cool forrest gump that's a good comparison i like just that. thought of it Thank wait you why well, i don't get it because Forrest Gump, like, in that film, they also transpose him into, like, historical oh, moments. Oh, okay, yeah, okay, they okay, just, okay. like, really fit well. him into a lot of different things. I remember one time I was just, like, talking with my friend's dad about Forrest Gump. He was, and my friend was like, oh, who's that? And he was like, Forrest Gump was an amazing man. And I was, like, <laughs> 12 years old. I was like, you know he was fake, right? And he was like, yes. <laughs> like, oh, my God. 12-year-old Dora. That was terrible. Crushing That's heart. Perfect. <laughs> um, okay, let's play a little song. Yeah, and then we'll get we'll get back to this. Um, we're gonna play like the song that Diane Keaton sings in Annie Hall. Um, it seems like old times. Um, it was actually written by the music was written by a Canadian person. Yes, we we will find the name and tell you after you listen to the song. So enjoy that. Seems like Still a thrill 
Thank you. <laughs> hey, so like, welcome back. That was "It Seems Like Old Times" as performed by Diane Keaton. Um, it was ri- the music was written by Carmen Lombardo, um, who is from London, Ontario, which I didn't know. You didn't represent. Boom. Um, uh, so yeah, you're listening to the Real World on CITR 101.9. Oh yeah, welcome back. Um, so today we're like talking about um, Jewish representations in film in kind of celebration of our um, Jew- Jewish Student Association programmed Sandwich Club Night coming up on Wednesday. Um, we're going to show Annie Hall and Driving Miss Daisy. Um, we just kind of finished a convo about Woody Allen and just kind of like everything that's like packaged up in that uh, topic. And we're going to just kind of move on to like... Jewish representations in film, just like kind of like as a general, general like talking point. We are also joined still by the beautiful Lily Robbins. Hello. Visiting. She still doesn't know how to use a microphone. <laughs> um, visiting from U of T. That's okay. We forgive you. Thank you. So um, we just kind of like we're doing like preliminary research before this, um, and we realized, like it just kind of like hit everyone that Magneto from X Men is like. A really important, like, but like weirdly problematic Jewish character. This is true because he grew up slightly in a concentration camp, um, which is just a really interesting, like, depiction of. He grew up in a concentration <laughs> camp, yeah. which is a really interesting depiction of um, not like over dramatizing the war, but showing the influences of what the actual concentration camp had on Jewish people following the war. And he's not that great of a representation because he turns out to be like kind yeah. of a horrible person. New Hitler in mutant kind, yeah. basically. But it's still interesting, like the way that that they show it, kind of the resentment that like one individual can feel after going through something so terrible, like to the point where when he sees another minority being persecuted, he 
like stands up and becomes the hero or villain in this case of the minority by like killing everyone else uh i don't know i thought it was interesting how the persecuted became the persecutor in this case and he turned into the per like basically doing the same things that the person that he hates was doing what i think is really interesting is that like if like it is like kind of like if you kind of direct it like directly compare it to the holocaust like he like the solution isn't like like i wouldn't say that he's like because the aryan race was never a minority it was just like a weird like ideal um like he's like the good guys is advocating for just like integration and kind of more just like I don't know. It's like it's just like everyone's equal. Like we're all the same, which like is also like a weird kind of like solution because like you can also kill everyone else if you like accidentally point at them. Yeah, like like mutants like were being prosecuted and like Jewish people did go through like terrible stuff in concentration camps. Like you can't just be like, but it's fine. Like we're all the same. Like we're just like integrating. Like I don't know. I think it's like a like a weird commentary. I think um it's really interesting because I took so many Jewish studies. But um, in following the Holocaust, even, like, in Israel after its inception, there were two kind of, like, doctrines as to, like, how we should discuss the Holocaust and what happened to the Jews, like, as a collective. And there was, like, kind of one extreme side that was that said, oh, the people who, like, fought in the Holocaust, like, the Warsaw Ghetto, they were cowards and they didn't do what they were supposed to do for Jewish people. And then the people on this side of the doctrine the people in Israel who fought for, like, their land and, like, stayed and cultivated the land, the pioneers were seen as, like, a greater representation of the Jewish people from the Holocaust. And on the other side, it was, like, if you were a Warsaw Ghetto fighter and you did this incredible thing, then you are, like, the hero. And in that came, like, how do we talk about the Holocaust to our children? Like, in Israel for a while, like, the Holocaust wasn't mentioned between, like, 1940... Eight, I want to say it's like roughly 1960 until like the doctrine came back because the Holocaust just influenced Jewish people so heavily that they didn't want to reconceptualize it in the minds of their like new Israeli children because it was like a brand new thing that the Jewish people were all cultivating in one place and they're like we need to be stronger than this we need to be pioneers we need to be land workers we need to create farms and kibbutzim and and from that became let's take the Holocaust as this horrible thing but we don't want to teach it to our children because we don't want them to be scared of the outside world. We want them to be strong fighters here. So I think from that, this, like, Jewish Magneto situation, and he represents this, like, fighter from the... He, like, comes from the ghetto, like, rises from the ashes and kind of protects his own. So it's a huge Jewish commentary where the mutants are the Jewish people and the world is still trying to prosecute them and anti-Semitism is represented through like, anti-mutant movements. Mm -hmm. So it's a really interesting idea, and I'm pretty sure it was written or, like, created by a Jewish person in the comic books. Um, So I'm kind of supportive of it. I just wish that Magneto was a better person. Yeah. That's all. (laughs) What, like, I just, like, realized something that's, like, kind of weird. Like, because in the new, like, version, he's played by Michael Fassbender, who, like, I just think of as, like, he's played, like, so many Nazis just, like, in his life. Like, it's so weird. Yeah. I never thought of that. That is very interesting. You're welcome. But also, he's really great as Magneto. That was a very in-depth history of, of Israeli ideology. You're all so welcome. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I like.
like really don't feel qualified to like say anything about it. Like I just like haven't never studied it. I don't even know if I have an. I don't even know if I have a real opinion on it. It's just like that is what history says. Mm, I actually have opinions because my best friend is Israeli. Awesome. So yeah, like she's in the army right now and. It's it's a thing. It's uh, I was just gonna comment because you said it before, like you d- used to never talk about it, and it's interesting because now it's almost like shoved down their throats. Like totally. this, this friend of mine, like she went to public school in Israel, and like every history class will have something about it, which I think is really like important. But they do make it all about that. And I know that when you graduate high school, you're you go on this like trip to Poland and you go to see all the all the concentration camps and you spend like a long time just going around doing all that stuff uh this friend of mine Aviv she like came into school two weeks late like into the program that we started doing the IB uh because she was doing this trip so like she was excused from school so that she could do this trip to visit all the concentration camps so I thought it was really interesting how like it used to be something that no one talks about and now it's uh, she talks to me about it like she says that it's part of the Jewish identity it's part of this Israeli thing where you always think about it and you always think of like your culture and your country as like something that you need to constantly be protecting that feels so desensitizing though I mean it is and it isn't um The Holocaust here is never again. This happened to the Jewish people. A lot of people died. Romans died. Jewish people died. Gay people died. And it's, like, seen as, like, an overarching... It's almost like a... Like a I don't want to say cultural event, but, like, this is a historical... It's, no, it was definitely a cultural event. This is, like, a historical and cultural event, and we, like, have to know that it happened. And then what I think keeps happening is people in argument are, like, this... Trump is, like, Hitler... And I'm like, you need to not say that. Because, like, as a Jewish person and, like, my none of my grandparents, thank goodness, like, experienced the, like, very concentration camp situation of the Holocaust. But they were affected by it in the, like, pre-situation or after situation. And it's just too grand of a statement. In debates in high school, they, like, would never let us use any references from World War II in, like, argumentation because it's a scapegoat. It's, like, let me use the most popular and over, like, arching, most, like, prevalent argument in order to explain something that is so not connected. Um, So I believe that the Holocaust is a horrible thing and, like, an important aspect of Jewish history It's just not for everybody else in the world to use as an argumentation. I don't like that. That's fair. Yeah. I just, like, I'm, like, also just kind of, like, looking at... This is, like, kind of unrelated. No, go but for like, it. But, like, I'm looking at, um, just, like, the movies that we were, like, gonna kind of talk about, and they're, like, they're all, like, Nazi movies. Like, as X-Men, Glor- Inglorious Bastards, like, Schindler's X-Men List. X-Men a Nazi movie. No, but like, X-Men but has Nazi. really heavy... It's, like, originated in, like, Holocaust <laughs> rhetoric. Yeah. Which, like... Yes. It's like like that just kind of like goes to show like how big of a culture I mean, it was. As a comic book nerd, I'm going to correct you, not X-Men, but like the mutant <laughs> oh, okay. my scenario my and bad. Magneto as a singular character. <laughs> you. You're welcome. Um, that was so important. Thank you. You're very welcome. It's it was important really important. to talk about the legitimacy of the movies with the comic books. That's yeah, fair. but that's I feel like that's a whole other show. <laughs> <laughs> just like something else. Um, but Inglorious Bastards, Bastards is a really interesting movie. I love that movie. Why? Inglourious because Bastards. it turned the genre on its head. You know what, Dora? <laughs> <laughs> we were like just having an argument about Quentin Tarantino, and like I think he's a great director, but like I think that like his like primo genre is like 
real life and like modern times. And Lily's like, no, like he turns the genre and said, which like is totally fair. I'm gonna just ask does. a question. Okay. I haven't seen Ball Fiction, and I know that's horrible of me, but how much of that is really realistic? Um, surprisingly, it is. Not all of it. Not all of it. Obviously, it's a film, but, like, like okay. the, it's, like, real, like, raw, like, emotion and conversation. Dora's, really, like, Dora's issue is that Quentin Tarantino, like, reinvents genre, like, uses an excessive not, amount of genre. Issue. And she just wants, like, realism and, like, 2015 representation of... Life. Like, it's <laughs> genre like, so interesting. You have like so many tropes to be like. Yeah, but he could make his own genre. No one's like <laughs> he no is watching a genre. Like, he is a subgenre. He is his own genre. That's what I'm saying. Like the fact that he gets all of these genres and he doesn't stick to a single thing. That's the Quentin Tarantino genre. He just like. That's he's so Tarantino diverse. Way. He's so flexible in yeah. his directing. Style. Like Wes Anderson has like an art, but Quentin Tarantino has a subgenre. Under like, t- not like t- I don't even know what to call it. massacre. Yeah, like that's his like subgenre. <laughs> and then he takes that and he interconnects it with like all these other things and like a slave film and like a Nazi movie and a western. But none of those are like when you picture them, they're not what they are. They're different, and that's awesome. So let's link this back specifically to Inglorious yeah. Bastards. <laughs> so we, don't, we don't get, or off. we'll keep arguing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so thoughts, thoughts about the. Jewish Nazi hunters. Um, Dora and I were talking about this the other day and how I grew up playing Grand Theft Auto at way <laughs> too young an age. Whoa. Like, I was eight years old and I was playing this film, this video game. <laughs> and it, um, Dora's convinced that it's like ruined my psyche forever. <laughs> but Inglorious Bastards, it was like a fantastic film for me. It was heavily violent and like, it felt like retribution. Which That's is fair. awesome. That's totally fair. That's like so a, violent. I've, the baseball scene, the baseball. I've never seen it. I can't the baseball bat? Okay, <laughs> no, you. Jara doesn't get to talk about this. Just like, very, <laughs> very yeah, she hasn't quick. seen Inglorious Bastards, and then she criticizes Quentin Tarantino. No, very quick <gasps> summary. It's not like the entire director's portfolio. But Inglorious Bastards is fantastic. It's about a group of uh, Jewish Nazi hunters. Basically, they go around scalping Nazis. I don't know if they're all Jewish. Oh yeah, is that's true. I don't think Brad Pitt is Jewish. I think he's like a, hmm, I'm going to go fight. He's just he like just hates yeah. Nazis. Yeah. That's weird. Brad Pitt seems to, like, always play, like, the, uh, like, angel. Like, 12 yeah. Years Slave, he was just, like, the really, really nice white dude. Oh, and, like in Glorious Bastards. in Inglorious Bastards. Oh, is he not? But he's, like, but is, no, he's, but he's, like, like, the savior. Yeah. He's, like, oh, like, I just, like, really hate Nazis. Like, that's just, like, a weird, like character like slot to be put in like it's I true it's i feel like brad pitt just like gets things made for him he's like i want to yeah. play a zombie hunter and then i want to save the world and he does it and in um but he's fantastic at it what? world war z, z. world that war z i don't understand how i like that movie but i hated it i don't understand why it was good but okay um <laughs> Wait, let's not talk about <laughs> I World know. War Z right it's now. It's really easy to get distracted in talking about film. I know. It's so lovely. I really like it. Um, yeah. I love doing the show. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! The CITR 101.9. <laughs> um, Inglourious Bastards is a great film. I think that um, it's very, it's kind of different from Quentin Tarantino's other movies, um, just because it creates, like, such, like, heavy lines between good and evil. And I think some of his, like, interesting tactics is like undoing that and like 
unfolding it and presenting it to you in another way. Whereas in Glorious Bastards, it doesn't do that, I think, because of the subject matter. You can't be like, oh, the Nazis were also puppy lovers. You have to be like, That's fair. let's he, kill them. He does like the same thing in Django, where it's like the slave owners are still like fucking terrible. Yeah, because it's like a sensitive issue. It's also he's not directly a part of the minority group. So I think I appreciate his sensitivity. My father hated that movie. He was like, it's really? it's Why? too violent and it like satirizes what actually happened. But that's like also just Quentin Tarantino. It's true. And I really like that the theater blew up. That was awesome. Yeah. You haven't seen the movie. Spoilers! So Sorry. Oh, no, it's okay. We're not going to talk about it. You can forget about it. And that's okay because we're coming to the end of our episode. Yeah. Ooh. Let's um hype some events that we're doing on... Um, I think it's next Friday. Yep, it is. Friday the 26th. Um, we're having our beer garden. We're going to be showing Austin Powers. Doors open at 7. Show's at 9. My nine, I'm at 8. And it's going to be... 19 plus. Oh, yeah, 19 plus. Bring two pieces of ID. Um, but it's going to be really dope. And, like, who doesn't love Austin Powers? It's, it's a classic. It's going to be really great. And then, just to, like, continue on this, like, self-promoting bandwagon, um... So on the 24th is when we have our Jewish Student Association um, Sandwich Club Nights, and we're playing Annie Hall and Driving Miss Daisy. Oh, man, my guys, that is terrible. And then on the 25th, we're playing... Oh, my God. Give us a moment. We're playing Tuki Buki and Les Signatures, the Blood Letters. It seems like a very international uh, night for us. Um, and then we're playing on the 27th, after the beer garden, Born in Flames and Space in the Place. And that's all we have uh, for our February screenings. It's going to be really dope. Yeah. Thank you for joining us, Lily. You're very welcome. You were very helpful. Thanks. <laughs> Thank you. And Pete's picks are coming up next.